This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is Thursday, February 10th, 2022. Hi, Jake. Hello. We're going to talk about what movies are inappropriate for men to watch alone. Bro. Because Jake watched a movie on his own by himself. Because I live alone. That is a little deviant. Not really. Makes it a little weird to be sitting this close to you now. No, it doesn't. Or at least, you know, for the bajo. Anyway. Okay, we're... 10 seconds into the show, and there's already a bow right. <laughs> exactly right. So we'll talk about movies for men. Movies that make us men. We're not going to do that. Uh, we'll talk about real estate. We uh, closed on our investment property yesterday. We must have gotten like 10 messages. Well, 10 messages. Well, what do you do here? How'd you find it? What are you doing? What are you looking for? How do you? We'll talk about that coming up. Um, and of course, we have to talk about Smoke and Joe Burrow. Speaking of Bajo, um, we'll talk about what? Don't be awkward. We'll talk about Joe Burrow coming up. Hey, don't forget um, all of our favorite Amazon items are in the description of this here podcast or YouTube channel show, depending on where you're watching. Um, everything from at home COVID tests to emergency to a 50% off uh, deal for your Amazon Prime membership. You need it. You want it. Shop now. Do it. Rockstar Recovery. Protein bars. It's all good. COVID test. Uh, COVID testing. And stuff. And stuff. You it's know. all below. Uh, yeah. Make sure you frequent those listings and then make sure you hit subscribe because we're giving away this PlayStation 5 right here. You must be subscribed uh, to this YouTube channel. You must follow us on TikTok, mate. Uh, the Monty show underscore what it's Joe Ingalls day on the show. <laughs> Throw some shrimp on the Bobby mate. Makes me want to puke. That's how you win the PS five. Uh, let's talk about the Utah jazz trading Jolton Joe Ingalls. Wait, I thought we were never going to trade Joe Ingalls. Well, that's what Ryan Smith said. I mean, Ryan Smith said, it's crazy to think that they would ever trade Joe Ingles. You're well, casual. That's our guy, Joe. You know, like never gonna trade him. You know, like Joey Buckets. You know, like I mean, he's he's a brilliant guy. I mean, holy cow, and he's also a Portland Trailblazer. Well, too fucking bad, man. Everything but his torn ACL. Um, okay. And <laughs> okay. I digress. Joe Ingles is a Portland Trailblazer, and it is interesting to note that. The reaction to this Joe Ingles trade has been passionate, as you would expect, out of the Jazz fan base because Joe Ingles is a guy that you expected to have a cup of coffee in the NBA and then likely go back to Australia, mate, and play in the, you know, the the N, the NBL or whatever it's called there um, and be a star in Australia again, right? But he's become part of the Jazz, but also part of the Utah Jazz community. And it's always hard to say goodbye to a friend like Joe Ingles. Mm -hmm. Now, I would more point to the fact that I think this is seeing a, seeing a couple of months, Joe. 
because I do believe that Joe Ingles will be back with the Jazz in some capacity if he chooses to. Um, but right now, this trade was necessary. So, Jake, what what was your reaction when you heard they traded Joe Ingles? And how do you feel about that that deal in total? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's no surprise that they traded him. I mean, you know, once the ACL happened, it was like inevitable that that was going to happen, that they were going to trade him. So I wasn't, you know, obviously like I, I didn't grow up in Utah. I haven't been, you know, loathing Joe Ingles for the last eight seasons. You know, like that hasn't been who, that's not me. So I obviously just didn't have as much emotion in it. I just more look at it from a X's and O's perspective. Hey, the guy tore his ACL. That happens in the NBA. All right, we need to trade him. That's just what it is. You know, that's business in the NBA. But, you know, I, I look at the trade. You know, I feel like the, the first thing I want to say about the Joe Ingles trade is I don't feel like it signals a clear direction as to where the team wants to go. It, this trade you know, doesn't say to me or doesn't have, you know, hey, we're trying to win a championship written all over it, or hey, we understand we're not winning a championship, so we're going to get, you know, remarkably younger written all over it. It was kind of a, it, it more to me felt like a trade that they made sort of to make a trade. You know, like, hey, Joe's hurt, we need to move him, let's make a trade. You know, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, I don't, I've never heard of Nikhil Alexander-Walker or Hernan Gomez. Who are these guys? I got a couple of DMs about about this. Who are these guys? Do they play defense? Are they any good? It's like, yeah, these guys are NBA players. I mean, they're not the best in the league by any stretch of the imagination. You know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is, you know, he's an up-and-coming talent. He needs some work. Uh, but, but to me, when I look at the trade, it has, hey, we got to develop guys written all over it. And this is a team that doesn't develop players. That's the thing. I, you have you have Adrian Wojnarowski going on ESPN saying that the Jazz have a developmental program, and I love the guy. I love Woj. I respect the hell out of him. I love what he does, but I disagree with that a little bit. I think that I think that you know the Jazz haven't done a great job developing players over the years. You know, no. and I and I and I look at what's on the roster now and what you added yesterday, and I still maintain that you know Alexander Walker is very similar in terms of players to. What you have to do with, you know, your Jared Butlers and any other guy in this roster you got to develop, you know, he's. But is, is, is he much different than Trent Forrest right now? No, I, I and that's my point. I don't think he's that much different. Like, I think they're very similar. They're, they're very close. And, and I, and I think, you know, their needs are basically the same. They're athletic guys who can handle the ball, but need work on the shot. I mean, that's, that's who they are. So. My point just is with this trade, like when I saw this trade go down, I wasn't surprised that Joe was involved in it, really. I was just more surprised that it seemed kind of like a, you know, just sort of like, um, I mean, I'm not trying to be negative, but it just wasn't like a, a big trade or like a trade that had a clear, you know, direction behind it. I was more expecting them to, if they were going to make a trade, to make one that really signified, okay, this is the direction we're going, you know? We, we, we traded more than we probably wanted to, but we got a guy in Eric Gordon or we got a guy in Harrison Barnes or we got this player that can help us now. You hey, know? We, we traded Joe Ingles and his expiring contract, which had real value around the NBA, and we got this guy in return that's going to help us win a playoff series right now. Yeah. But that's not what happened. And... Look, I, I like youth. I like young wings in the NBA. You got that. But I'm more with you, Jake. I, I don't see that the Utah Jazz develop young talent. 
I think if you look at Rudy Gobert, I think he's a great developmental example. He has turned himself into an incredible defensive player, mm-hmm. but he has not developed very much at all offensively. Right. And I think a lot of that falls at the feet of the Utah Jazz. I look at I look at the guy you shipped out in Elijah Hughes. Elijah Hughes developed himself by working with Chris Brickley last summer. Yeah. The Jazz didn't develop him much at all and didn't give him an opportunity to do so. I look at Jared Butler. I look at you know, go back in time. I look at Trey Burke. Um, I look at any of these draft picks Exum. you want to point to. Dante Exum's a very good example. There was never development. And a lot of the issue was these guys didn't get development and minutes to refine that skill development. They didn't get the opportunity to grow and flourish in the Utah Jazz system. And really right now, the other guy you got to point to, and we're going to talk about the game last night, but you got to look at Donovan Mitchell and you have to ask yourself all this tension and all this turmoil that the Jazz have been dealing with in their locker room between Rudy Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell. I think I can put a lot of that on the frustration at the inability to grow these two players. And I think that has a lot to do with the developmental program that's been in place. Now, from what I understand... Danny Age and Justin Zanuck are putting in a lot more assets, funds, and humanity into player development for the Utah Jazz. And I think that's really needed. But right now, you are where you are because this this organization has not, over the last decade, valued growth in youth. Yeah. And I think that's got to change if, if this trade's going to work. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know... Uh, a lot of people on Twitter yesterday were saying, well, the Jazz aren't done. And they may not be done. There may be another trade coming. That's a possibility for sure. But I was just mostly in a place yesterday where I was like, all right, you made this deal, but but the opportunity that was Joe Ingles' contract, I felt like you fell short on execution just a touch. Like I would have expected them to be a little bit stubborn with that and say, okay, if we're going to trade this and we're going to get rid of an expiring contract and the leverage that comes with that, yeah. that that deal and that opportunity needs to be part of a deal for a difference-making player. And and I'm not trying to hate on the guys that they got at all. I just think that they're, they're average NBA players currently. So with the Jazz, you know, last night we're watching this game. You know, yes, they had a nice night. Jeremy Bolton, I believe, tweeted at us, yes, this was, like I said yesterday on the show, it was a measuring stick game, and they won the game. Now, did the Warriors play their best? No, they didn't. Did the Jazz play their best? Yeah, they probably did for where they are right now. The Jazz had a nice night, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, I I think that it was nice to see this team playing well again. Uh, I think the conversation around, you know, does this team play better without Don or without Rudy was answered last night. Uh, I think that this team um, last night was like you were shown that Donovan can run the show and do some good things. Yes. And I think that Don needs to learn. And this is my biggest thing with this team right now. And and what I would be focused on if I was Quinn Snyder and this coaching staff, Donovan Mitchell needs to learn how to leverage his teammates and really leverage, you know, the double team that comes to him to get it to open players. And when he learns how to do that, this team's going to take another step forward. Well, you know, I, I think, I think that's a huge part of where they are. You know, I, I don't see the jazz making another significant deal. I, I don't. I The shocking thing in this trade yesterday was not only did you give up an expiring contract, but you paid to give up that expiring contract, which is to say you gave up two second-round picks 
that are already in very rarefied air in your portfolio. So you gave up two future first round picks, one to Portland, one to San Antonio. Um, and you, in my opinion, didn't get much in return as far as value goes. And I, I don't see that this trade makes you a better basketball team right now. It Does it give you another body that can contribute along the lines of what Joe Ingles did? Sure it does. Does it answer the question of who's going to take those minutes? Maybe. Quinn Snyder hasn't, you know, historically, and this year we've watched it, Quinn Snyder hasn't played young guys. I mean, so now are you telling me that, um, you know, you 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 traded for for Walker, and you you really think that this is a guy? All of a sudden, Quinn Snyder is going to start plugging in. Yeah, I th- I think you know the difference is is that Walker is sort of Walker's definitely further along than Jared Butler is, right? Like, or than you know these other guys are. There's like to me, there's no doubt about that. Um, however, I think the issue is is that he's just not refined enough to to warrant the minutes and so it, you you have to make a decision and this is what I think people don't understand at some point this team is going to have to make a decision that hey we're going to develop our guys we're like it's we're, we're making it a priority regardless of where we're at in the game and and I think everybody everybody was was talking a bunch of crap earlier in the year and last season when the Warriors were not as good and they were developing Wiseman and Kaminga and they were doing some things and now you're seeing those guys contribute, and that's what I kind of want to see this Utah Jazz team do. Because at the end of the day, and, and we say this, I feel like, almost every day. So for the folks who listen every day, this is kind of repetitive, right? But you're playing to win championships, or it's not good enough at this point. So with that in mind, you need to operate that way, and yeah. you need to develop these guys. But does, you know, Nikel Alexander-Walker play more minutes than Jared Butler? Because, you know, again last night, I am I am befuddled by the fact that you won by what twenty six points or something like that. Yeah, and he Jared Butler plays four minutes. It's not good enough. Like I don't. I and this what is what are we doing? This is my struggle. I don't understand this. You you win convincingly, convincingly twenty six points over one of the best teams in the NBA, and Doak is only playing nineteen minutes in that game. You know, like, are, are, what is the point? What are you hoping to achieve? And again, is this, is this a Quinn Snyder issue? I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I, knowing the way that Danny Ainge operates a little bit historically, he's not a guy that, you know, lords over the head coach and says, you're going to play this guy. Mm -hmm. Like that's not historically how he's operated, but help me understand why in a, against a team like Golden State that doesn't have a true center, like with all due respect to Kevon Looney, um, you know, and you're, and you're watching guys like Jonathan Kaminga last night running around, you know, playing playing developmental minutes. I mean, there's there's no other way to look at the fact that Jonathan Kaminga played 23 minutes last night. For a young guy in the NBA, that's a lot of, that's a good load of minutes. That's, to me, why, why is Azubuki not getting that kind of run? If this is truly the guy that now is passed to Son Whiteside, mm-hmm. which I don't think is necessarily the case because guess who played more minutes last night? Hassan yeah. Whiteside. Guess who contributed? Hassan Whiteside, I think, had 17 boards last night. You're seeing that he had like 71 blocks all in the first quarter. <laughs> like Hassan Whiteside was a motivated basketball player last night, and you saw that. 
what is the point of playing Doak 19 minutes in that game? Yeah. Why are you playing Jared Butler four minutes? Uh, like, I don't understand that. And I, and I appreciate very much that you're playing guys like Trent Forrest plays 23 minutes last night. Yeah. And that's the guy. So that's the name that I think they're prioritizing right now is Trent Forrest. He, and, and, and agree or disagree. I just think that the way the minutes are being played out, you know, that's, it just, that's what's well, happening. What I think that says is that you're looking at a situation where you're going to run Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell at point guard when, when Conley's not playing. Yeah. And I think that they're happy to do that. Yeah. I think they are happy to have other guys. This was the luxury of, of Joe Ingles bring the ball up. I think that they're happy to have, you know, like Donovan Mitchell was on the ball for most of the game last night. And I think Donovan Mitchell for, for only scoring 14 points, Donovan Mitchell had a huge impact on the outcome of this game. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably more likely the way that this team goes. Cause I, I don't see them at least not from what I, I heard around the league yesterday. I don't see them going out and making a, a, a significant deal. What this Joe Ingles trade signals is that they're going to stand pat with the talent they have on the roster right now, and they're going to make or break with these guys. Yeah. And I don't believe that Nikhil Alexander Walker plays a huge role for this team this year. I, that would be a complete 180 away from what Quinn Snyder's done this season. And I just don't see him doing that now in the middle of February. Yeah. That doesn't, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that doesn't, mean, yeah. that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. This trade doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Is it a horror show trade? No, it's not. You gave up two first or two uh, second round picks and you sent out an, an expiring contract in Joe Ingles, a guy that if he plays in the NBA next year, I think probably resigns here. But it was a nothing burger. Yeah. And I know a lot of people got annoyed with me on Twitter yesterday when I said that, but this trade's a nothing burger. Yeah. There's it's it's not one of those trades where you're like I think for the fan base it was a big deal because it's Joe. That's what I think. I think that the fan base, um, and this isn't a criticism, I just think that, you know, this is like how it is. Like I think that the fan base, without a doubt, <coughs> glorifies Joe Ingalls. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think Joe Ingalls was a fan favorite, somebody who is loved not only by the team but by fans and and yep. i think that when you trade guys like that you know people are going to be how they're going to be they're going to be you know emotional about it and i think it was like it was cool on twitter to be like oh there's another trade coming and sorry joe ingles we'll see you next year and joe's going to be back and like like you know it just it just is what it is but like for me in the way i saw it i was just like yeah this isn't surprising i mean he's got a torn ACL. He's on an expiring contract. Why? Like you should trade him and yeah. then bring him back next year. And I, you know, overall, I think yesterday was probably a, a, a plus day. I mean, you, you beat the golden state warriors and you did it handily. Yeah. Um, and I don't care who the warriors had and who they didn't have. I don't care. Yeah. Um, you beat the golden state warriors. When you look at the schedule in 10 years, you're going to see that you beat the golden state warriors. You ended their nine game winning streak. And I thought Don but, looked really fresh. I thought Don did look fresh, and I think, you know, by the way, I also think with that windmill the other night, he was trying to prove a point um, that, you know, he can still get up and play at the rim. I think there were a lot of people who were questioning whether or not he had the ability to to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, but listen, I, I'm not saying this trade's a disaster. I just think that where this team is right now to to, to – and you can't look at it as, well, that's all we got for Joe Ingles. Because Joe Ingles isn't a isn't a is is nothing more than a rotational player at this point in his career. Right. But 
what you have to say to yourself is, what did we get for an expiring contract and two second-round draft picks? Not a whole lot. Hurts and go your mama is probably not even going to play on this team, right? Like, I mean, in if, if, again, what is he making? Seven million bucks or something like that? Like, it, it's inconsequential. You, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying not to be too negative. I'm trying not to be a, a down, but I had hoped for a more significant deal that would set you up to have a better summer. Yeah. And I think that's that. That's my disappointment here is I don't believe that this trade helps you in the future. Um, unless, you know, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker turns into, you know, a, uh, a, a really, I, cause I don't view him as a superstar ever. No, I he's think he's not a superstar. He's I not. think he is a contributing offensive player who is a wanting defender. He's not refined at this point. Um, but I would love to see him. I'd love to see him become, you know, something like a Brickley guy. 25 minutes a night, off the bench, 15 points, great defense. Right, but he's got to learn to shoot the ball. I mean, he this does. is and this is the Trent Forrest thing. Like Trent Forrest, Trent Forrest could be a, a very solid contributor on this team if he could shoot threes consistently. But you can't play him in long stretches and you can't put him in at the end of big games because he can't be he's not a knockdown three guy he's not a guy that you can rotate the ball to right you know like you don't and, and you don't need him to shoot 40 percent from three or anything crazy you need these guys to shoot 30 31 percent from three yeah. that's all you need them to do just make three out of three and a half out of every 10 you shoot you know that's what this team requires so right now I think again in the playoffs you're going to rely on guys shooting the three well you're going to rely on Jordan Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell, and Boyan Bogdanovich to win you games. That makes me nervous. Yeah. That makes me nervous. And, you know, you're hoping that Mike Conley, you know, defies, you know, mother nature and father time and, you know, stays healthy. I, But right now, I just don't see that you committed to the talent that's going to win you more than an early playoff exit. Agreed. And that's frustrating to me. But I will say on a positive side, it could be worse, right? I mean, you could have. I think the one thing that they do deserve credit for is you the the you didn't make a trade that killed you, right? You didn't make a trade that really like you didn't like, you know, the King situation with Halliburton and that whole thing. Oh, my you, God. You know, yeah. like how people view that. The Jazz didn't do that. The Jazz didn't make a like a real boneheaded. They didn't trade. make a mistake. Yeah. And, and I think that also needs to be said. You know, I, I think yeah. when we talk about the summer, you know, this this trade deadline for the Jazz is one of those situations where you you needed to avoid making the the big mistake with any trade that you made. And they did that. There's no doubt about that. But I agree with you. You know, I did feel some I, I mean, disappointment is the right word. I, I, I was a little just disappointed with what they got back for an expiring contract and those two picks. I would have hoped, you know, that it was somebody who was a, a bit more established in the league. Somebody who you could be like, okay, we don't necessarily have to develop this guy, but this guy isn't someone who's going to give us 20 a night. Like, right, You know, right. but somebody who could contribute for 20 minutes a night for 10, 15 points, that kind of thing. Like, I think right. that's what you would have hoped for, but that's not what you got. Yeah, and I, I also think the other part of this is that I'm I'm – I'm waiting for Danny Ainge. I'm waiting for this new regime to do something significant because this trade, you know, philosophically speaking, trading Joe Ingles is not surprising. Like yeah. we've been telling you for three months, four months, 
Joe Ingles wouldn't be here after the deadline. And that was before he tore his ACL. Right? Like, we knew this was that. So, that's not the part of this. The part of this that is so surprising is that you didn't leverage that expiring contract by either holding on to it and using that money against the cap. Or trading it for for you know as you you mentioned you you talked about Eric Gordon or yeah. you know what uh, or using that contract somehow any established guy in the NBA doesn't have to be a superstar doesn't have to be anybody yeah, who's crazy I, I, like and now by the way the other thing that went under the radar last night did anybody notice Rudy Gay missed last night's game with a sore knee yeah you know like it this has just not been your most productive off season now this has been a rough six weeks and well but <laughs> like, I, I I think you look at the off season and people got really excited about Eric Pascal and Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside and mm -hmm. none of those three guys have really worked out splendidly well none of those three guys have been a home run and and I don't know uh, by no fault of his own I mean Pascal plays well when he plays yeah I would give him like a uh, you know, I'd give him like a like a B minus ish for the off season. Like I think that I understand the strategy and what you were trying to do, but the Hassan thing—it's no secret that you know there's been some concerns about Hassan's body language and his attitude out there on the floor and his effort at times. I think Pascal's been everything you wanted him to be. I I think Pascal has shot the hell out of the ball. He plays good defense. He's real physical. Like he he's reliable. You know what you're gonna get out of him. Yeah. You know, and I think that. This team, this team just got to get through the shit this year, frankly. Like you just got to get through this season, get to the summer, and then the the run to the NBA Finals in terms of roster transactions will begin. All right, let's uh, get some of your comments in here. Neville ninety three says they traded Joe. Wow. Like so, that sentiment is what I'm curious about. Yeah. Did and, you think they weren't going to trade Joe Ingles? Like, are, were Jazz fans? Or were you shocked that the club traded Joe Ingles? What does that mean? A, yes, were you shocked? But then B, what does it mean when you say, wow, they traded Joe? Does that Are you saying, are you just heartbroken that he got traded? Are you upset and pissed with the organization? Like, what does that really mean? Because I'm curious about this. I saw this all over Twitter yesterday. Cody Strickland, good morning. He says, uh, morning, mighty men. That was very impressive game by the Jazz. Started off bad, ended so good. Could you be wrong about the Jazz postseason? What does this game last night have to do with their postseason abilities? I, if you're saying to yourself this morning, the Jazz beat the Warriors, and that means they got a good shot in the postseason, you don't understand where the Warriors were last night and where the Jazz are. And with that the respect, game is completely different in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, with all due respect, and I'm not trying to be an a-hole about it, if you will. But, but like, be an a-hole by saying... Like, it just is... It's a ridiculous <laughs> take, like... Dude, the Warriors didn't play Klay Thompson last night. Draymond Green is not playing. You yeah. know, your 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 Steph did play decent. You know, I mean, he didn't have his best night ever, but but he is, doesn't play well against the Jazz. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I I think that it's it's foolish to be like, oh, well, they beat the Warriors. That means that they're going to have success. And I mean, that's just not realistic. Well, and I I think in a series, and when you look at you know when you look at the guys that were resting, you know, I mean, Klay Thompson just didn't play because of rest. Yeah. Uh, Dre's out with this injury. Like, I, I think this is a different team in the postseason. Bro, the Warriors are on pause for the postseason. Let's be like, let's just be yeah. 100% real. They have it. nothing to prove here. They need to get yeah. through this last 20 games healthy. Yeah. That's really what they need. Uh, Edgar Garcia, what's up with you? Funky Orion says, good day. Snookas is buenos dias, muchachos. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, hey, what's up? Rudy Sanchez <laughs> says, morning, fellas. I got a little carried away. Sorry. 
Uh, Cody Strickland says, really, Neville? That's a shock. That was going to tr- – uh, they was going to trade him before the injury. Yeah, totally. Brylark said, we've said this since, uh, said it since the off season, the jazz were going to trade Joe Ingles and none, none believed us. Good work, Jake and Monty. Thank you. Thank I, I appreciate the tip of the cap. Thank you. Edgar Garcia says jazz looked good. Donovan seemed to try and involve his team more. Absolutely. See, and, and so this is something I really love talking about. So this is something we've been talking about with Don for a minute. Like we were waiting for Donovan Mitchell to develop into a player who understands how to involve his teammates. And last night you see what just a little bit of that can do for this team. And so that's why I think like this team, has a lot left on the on the bone. And what I mean yes. by that is if Donovan Mitchell learns how to involve his teammates and manipulate the defense into double-teaming him only to move the ball to the corner to someone like Bogey who's wide open, let's say, they're going to have a lot of success. And that's what I think wasn't happening. The whole thing about Don and everybody else can't keep happening if he wants to be a championship player. Well, and – Again, I know I say this every day, but the driving kick component of this offense has been non-existent, and it's vital. They shoot the three too well, and there's too much double teaming and collapsing on Donovan Mitchell. So Don's got to Don's got to progress, and he's yes. got to believe in his teammates. Yes, and it, it we saw it last night, the driving kick game where Jordan Clarkson is standing wide open all alone. Yeah. That's when he's going to make threes. Yes. I mean, so I, I think that's a great point. I really do. Um, Edgar, I think that's exactly right. Dane says, good morning, boys. James Knight, how are you? He says, here we go. Rip City, baby. Free agency, baby. Yeah, I think, listen, if there's a team, <laughs> screw you. If there's a team that got better um, in the last couple of days, it's the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers are set up to have a monster summer. Yeah. I mean, they're going to take a run, one more shot with Damian Lillard. And I think if they are not able to build something significant um, around Dame this summer, then I think you can start talking about him not being there. But I also think if you look at it, the, the Blazers, they have all kinds of momentum. They go out and they beat a hapless Laker team last night. And I will continue to say Russell Westbrook is not the biggest issue for the Lakers. It's, it's Anthony Davis. Um, and when he plays well and he actually – rotates on defense they win games and when Anthony Davis is a is is a lazy ass the Lakers lose yeah and uh, again I think they need to ship Russ out today and I think there's a good chance they do that yeah but the Lakers biggest problem is Anthony Davis not Russell Westbrook but here no there the Blazers beat the Lakers last night and LeBron had another virtuoso performance um you know like the Blazers are set up the Blazers are in good shape I I think they are right now. They would be the winner at the deadline in my mind. Um, now we got to find out if James Harden's going to be a sixer and if Simmons is going to be a net. Like this ridiculousness with Woj reporting this morning that James Harden um, is not, you know, requesting a trade because he's worried that it's a bad look. <laughs> guy, we're way past that. You're talking about we're a guy in James that. Harden who intentionally, you know, put on weight to get out. You think you think James Harden gives a damn what the public thinks? I do. Come on. I guy. think James Harden is worried about uh, uh, his. Re- I, he should be fat. James Harden, and and again, I don't think James Harden's fat. I really don't. Not anymore. Um, he was when he tried to get out of Houston. I think yeah, probably. But I fat. I think that James Harden is a guy who can't handle losing, and when he loses, he 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 crumbles. And I think he wanted to go to. 
I think the biggest issue for him was he thought it would be him and KD. Yeah. That's what I think. And you wind up with Kyrie staying there in the long term. And I think everybody thought that the Nets were going to dump Kyrie when he wouldn't get vaccinated and can't play at home. Well, guess what? They didn't. And then James got hurt and they lost in the playoffs and he uh, became a scapegoat. And, and Kevin became the God. And he, he crumbled and he wants out of Brooklyn now because the guy and this is why I say this is this is very much the example of some guys are championship material and some guys are not. Yeah. James Harden, in my opinion, is not a championship caliber player. So Philadelphia naturally would want him. Yeah, well, but I also think that when you put James Harden in a situation where he's a good fit, all of a sudden, fat ass becomes motivated. And he's not such a fat ass anymore. <laughs> right? So he's he's motivated when he shows up in Brooklyn. Yeah. Conditions, gets in shape, hurts his hamstring. Well, why did he hurt his hamstring? Because all he was doing was conditioning to get back in shape. Yeah. And he's never gotten over that hamstring, number one. I, <laughs> I don't know that people realize that. The guy has been playing on a leg and a half. Like, that hamstring has been an issue for James Harden. Yeah. He's not the same athlete that he was in, in his prime in Houston. Yeah. But the other thing you got to know is, if you put James Harden and, and Joel Embiid together, and if you can keep Thibel, and there's a lot of people reporting that this cough hasn't gone away yet, uh, <laughs> they're, they're also reporting that um, – they're also reporting that, that – the 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 holdup in that deal in Philly is that the Nets want Thibel, and that that Daryl Morey and the Sixers won't give him up, and you know if you send out James Harden and Patty Mills and a draft pick, and you end up with Ben Simmons in a in a and Tobias Harris let's say or they also I think would really like Tyrese Maxey in in Brooklyn. Um, I was talking to a guy yesterday after the Jazz trade, and Brooklyn really wants Tyrese Maxey. Yep. I'm not giving up Tyrese Maxey. I'm sorry. I, that kid is that kid has superstardom written all over him. Yeah. I would not trade. I would trade. Th I would trade Thibel. That's just me though. I would not trade Maxey. <laughs> I would much more quickly trade Thibel than Maxey. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the issue for Philly with the Thibel situation is that giving Brooklyn Thibel um, really helps Brooklyn more than it gives you Patty a weapon Mills. to beat you. Yes, exactly. And I think that Thibel, because of the tenacious defender he is, I mean, he, he would make a huge impact for the Nets, a team that already struggles with defense. I mean, I think that that would be, that's why there's a hesitation around, around Thibel. But, but again, I, I'm, I'm still the guy that says, the Sixers should be operating with the mindset of they need to ship out Ben Simmons. I think the Sixers should be operating with desperation. Frankly, yeah. I mean, if we're being honest about it, yeah. I think the Sixers should be desperate because you're having a, and I don't mean to make too much of it, but you're having a generational season out of Joel Embiid. Monster season. I mean, this guy, he's going to win the MVP. Yeah. I, I have no doubt about that. Yeah. And you're going to waste that unless you make a Ben Simmons trade today. Too bad. You know what I mean? Like, But seriously, yeah. you're going to waste that season out of Joel Embiid if you don't make this trade today. Yeah. And so it makes me wonder, are they willing to give up a Thibel? Are they? I would never, again, I'm not trading Maxi. Not n no, no chance. Yeah. No chance. I'm just not doing that deal. Cody says uh, he will be back in Utah very soon. Rather a player or an employee, I ra I rather have him on the broadcast. Yeah, maybe maybe just, Joe Ingles listen, can replace a certain somebody. I but. just I, I 
you know, with all due respect, I understand why Joe Ingles gets romanticized. If you want the guy on the broadcast, cool. But I, if if it's me and I'm running the team, he's not my offseason priority. He's not. He's I not. love the guy, and I'm happy to have him back in a in a broadcasting or maybe even a. I'd hire. Position. I, I would hire him as an assistant. assistant I would. You know yeah, what I would you know, do? Like, I would hire him as a developmental assistant, and hey, have him work with my young guys. Have him work on mentality. Like, have Joe Ingles be around the team. You need him in the locker room. Yes, I would have him, him around. And, and I would, you know, listen, I never thought watching a broadcast that I would ever say in my entire life that I miss Matt Harpering. Um, I never thought, <laughs> I, I mean, I thought at times during Harpering's jazz broadcasting career, I'd rather cut my nuts off than say I miss Matt Harpering. Um, anyway, the point is, um, you know, um, you know. I miss Matt Harpering. <laughs> if you felt these balls. <laughs> wow. The jazz broadcast is unlistenable at times. Butthole. If you had Joe Ingles and his buho to the broadcast, you know, my feeling is it gets better. Y'all feel me? We should move on. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, sup, Monty and Jake. Sup, chat. Hello. Greg Hawkins. Hey, guys. A TikTok superstar. Seriously, congrats, bro. That's pretty, Way to that's go. pretty fire, bro. Greg Hawkins, you're a stud. Victor G says, what's up from Manila? What up? Is Jordan Clarkson being shipped out? I That, again, speaking of cutting balls off, I'd be never. stunned. No, I'm never doing that. I'd be <laughs> stunned if the Jazz made another big trade. I think Bogey and Clarkson stay, but... I'm going to say this again. You know. Uh, Eric Tavares says, uh, Don is dishing, getting his team involved in the next step for his rise to the next level. Joe has expiring contract and will be back with the Jazz as a free agent with a smaller deal. Possibly. But here's my question, though. Why is everybody <laughs> boned over Joe Ingles coming back to the team? This is my question. Like, like the conversation shouldn't be, oh, they traded Joe. Joe's going to be back next year. Yes. That's not the conversation. Okay, so what is Dude, Joe Ingles if he comes back next year? Like, He's a mid-30s guy coming off like, of an ACL <laughs> rupture, and he already showed you with his ACL intact, that he was diminishing. Like, take Joe Ingles' name and put it over here and just read the description of who he is as a player. If it, if you didn't know it was Joe Ingles, you probably wouldn't want that guy on your team, right? So my question is... I would agree. So my question is, why is the focus on whether Joe Ingles is going to come back next year? Who gives a damn right I, now? And I'm telling you, and I might be totally off on this, and I guess I'll go to my grave with it, speaking of cutting my balls off. <laughs> Uh, Elijah, I'm, thank you. I think Elijah Hughes is a is a very good role player in this league, and the Jazz never gave him an opportunity. We saw him really have one good moment. Yeah. Um. You know when it was rookie ball, and he went out there and knocked down 80, 8,800 threes in a game, and yeah. we never saw him again. Nope. He got COVID, and he really once he had COVID, he never got back into the rotation, and it's the coronavirus. It's shocking to me. Um, you know, that Elijah Hughes never got a chance to shine. He was great in the summer league. He was great when they gave him extended an extended look. Yep. I thought him and Pascal played really well in that game. You know, like, and, and by the way, by the way, what happens now with uh, uh, Daniel House? Like, I'm curious about what happens with him. I really want them to sign him the rest of the season. I well, like what he brings. I think you get that news today because if, if Daniel House is out there hanging out, because, by the way, he's already signed three 10-day contracts, if memory serves. If Daniel House... Yeah, they, they have to make a decision. They would have to sign him the rest of the season. 
If he's just out here hanging out, there's a chance he's not going to be available to you after today. Yeah. So I think I think he's probably a guy you bring back for the rest of the season. I don't know. Um, Frank H says the Jazz have developed countless players: Hayward, Gobert, Hood, Mitchell, Favors, Ingles, etc. Rodney Hood is the guy. That Rodney I think Hood developed. He didn't develop. Number one, he didn't develop. And what were some of the other names? Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward developed. I think Gordon Hayward was a, is was a star in this league. Yeah. Rudy Gobert is not developed. Rudy, I mean, defensively, he's elite. But can you really say that Rudy Gobert is developed? I guess we need to define what development <clears throat> is because I don't. I honestly don't think that Rudy has developed that much. Development is an all-around basketball talent that you got him as a rookie and yeah. he turned into X, Y, Z. Steph Curry. Right? Like, that's development. Yeah. Rudy Gobert is a very limited player. Now, his limitation happens to be defense, and he's elite. The limitation on the negative side is he doesn't have an offensive game. He is a pick-and-roll a pick and roll player who has to, has to have a team that misses shots. Yeah. You cannot give him the ball in the post and expect him to do well, unless yeah. it's a lob. That, that's the reality of it, Frank. Brandon Whiteside says the moves save the Jazz $11 million. Maybe there were no big players available. I completely disagree with that. I can tell you for a fact that if they had, and I know they tried, but an expiring contract like that, two second round picks get you far more than what they got. It, the, You know why I think the Jazz made that deal? Because they were worried that they weren't going to make another deal or have the ability to make another deal. And they got like, I think as soon as Boston cut them off, um, because the Jazz were talking to, about Josh Richardson and Marcus Smart, but as soon as is Atlanta and Minnesota got re and as soon as really Minnesota got very serious about Marcus Smart, yeah, I think that I think that the Jazz were in real trouble at that moment, and I know that the Jazz. That's why I I think the Jazz, from what NBA sources have, have told me, the Jazz tried to get into a three way deal with with Washington. They were not able to do that. They were heavily pursuing um, uh, Harrison Barnes from Sacramento. But as soon as Sacramento traded Tyrese Halliburton, I mean, I don't know that they were going to be able to trade Harrison Barnes yeah. because they are hell-bent on making the playoffs. And they've, trust me, friends, they have a lot of climbing and digging to do. Mm -hmm. But it, it in no way, shape, or form, in no way, shape, or form, is it accurate to say that no players were available for trade in this league? Because the the bigger issue here is, I think the Jazz knew that their best opportunity to rebuild this team is going to be this summer. Yeah, and it's going to be around the draft and in in free agency when they're able to make trades. Because I I mean I think you better come around to the idea that they're going to tear this team down. And when I say tear this team down, your top six players are going to change. Yeah. You just got to understand that. They, I think they, I think the Utah Jazz realized that Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, and Jordan Clarkson are not good enough. Yeah. I think they know that. I think you could handle Jordan Clarkson if you had more reliable wings who could help you defensively. The issue is that this team is built 
to feed every offensive possession from their opponent into Rudy Gobert. And I think that Dennis Lindsay vastly overestimated Rudy Gobert's ability to be a do-everything defender because he's not. There is no such thing in yeah. the NBA as a do-everything defender. That logic is just whack. And the other thing that I think you have to realize is that when you allow your wing players, your perimeter players, to feed everything into your center, they better be quick and athletic enough to get out to the line after they let that happen. But the Jazz don't defend that way. The way the Jazz defend are everybody collapses into the paint when penetration happens and the opponent is kicking. And you don't, Boyan Bogdanovich is not athletic enough to get back to the stripe. You know, you have a guy in, in Donovan Mitchell who has to learn on the go to defend at a very high level. Yeah. And I think it's very difficult to do that because learning defense, offense is very instinctual. There's a lot of natural ability that goes into being an elite offensive player. Some guys just pop out a mama ready to score the basketball. Don is that guy. Yeah. Defense in a lot of guys is taught. And I'll flip the switch on Rudy Gobert. The example of the exact opposite of Rudy Gobert is DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is a gifted offensive player. I'm for real. Who can't catch a cold defensively most nights. Like he is a guy who has attachment issues. DeAndre is not a tough physical guy, so he's not going to try and knock you out. Rudy Gobert has his arms are as long as a 747's wings, man. Yeah. Like he is a naturally gifted shot blocker. He has tremendous athletic ability to recover. Um, Rudy Gobert is the kind of guy who can see angles to get him to block shots, to get him into position to change shots. Yeah. The problem is that that oftentimes doesn't work defensively for the Jazz. Because when a guy gets in front of Rudy Gobert, naturally he's going to want to kick. And everybody's so compressed into the paint for the Jazz defensively that it leaves them exposed. So when you talk about development of Rudy Gobert, I would beg to differ. And when you talk about development, look at every guy on this roster. Their defense has not gotten better. It's gotten worse. Yeah. It's become more porous. Like Royce O'Neal has been billed as this elite on-ball defender. He's not an elite on-ball defender. He just he just is not. And and I think that that's why you're going to see the top six on this Jazz team is going to change The athleticism of this roster needs to go way up. Dramatically. Dramatically. Um, Cody Strickland says, Monty, it was two second-rounders. Yeah, one to Portland and one to San Antonio. Um, yeah, I, I, I correct it. I said first. It's two second rounders. I, I corrected that. Uh, Braden Christensen says, I think the Jazz really tried to go after players to make this team better, but couldn't make those deals happen. That's exactly right. 100%. Yeah. It's exactly right. 100%. I think they would, ha they would have been thrilled to land Marcus Smart. Atlanta and, and, and Minnesota made that impossible. I think the Jazz, I think the Jazz had real legitimate interest in Karis LeVert, couldn't make that deal happen. I think the Jazz would have liked to have ended up with Montrez Harrell. I think there's too much interest in Washington was not going to make a was not going to make a deal on an expiring contract in long-term first-round picks. 
They were not going to do that because the Jazz don't have a first rounder to trade until when I say it's 2026. I mean, you're talking about three, four years from now. So that's not of much value. So I think that the Jazz see that they had a need for a backup point guard. Yeah. Well, they addressed that by playing, you know, Jordan Clarkson and 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 really it's Donovan Mitchell on the ball. But you can see, you know, that they're going to have different guys bring the ball up. Okay, I'm good with that. Fine. When Mike Conley's not in there, I wish it was Jared Butler. It's not. The issue is that they 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 have massive holes defensively. Mm-hmm. That's why this team will lose in the playoffs. It's not their offense. They can score with anybody. Their their issues are defense. So, yeah, I think they tried to make significant deals, and it's just not there. Teddy Wayman says, morning, guys. Sad to see Joe go, but I think it was the right move. Absolutely. Um, Cody says, I'm I'm not going to bag on Trent Forrest. He played great. Threes need work, but still was good. Yeah, agreed. Uh, man, I think Harden is, none, is not a championship player, Cody said. I want... I won't stop asking for a trade. He won't stop asking for a trade. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think James Harden wants a convenient situation. I, I think he wants, you know, he wants to just Ooh, step into. that's a good way uh, to say that. He, like, he just wants yeah. to step into something that's already good. And I think, you know, I, I agree with Cody. I think that James Harden is somebody who is probably pissed he didn't win the MVP in Houston. And I think that, you know, he's been trying to get back to that level for a minute now. And, and. And I think, you know, when you play games with your body, you go through injuries, which is exactly what he's done in Brooklyn. And I think Philadelphia, uh, when he gets there, because it's not if, it's when, and it's a matter of time. I hope it happens today. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see what he can do with Joel playing this well. Um, But if it doesn't happen today, if it happens this summer, you know, James Harden needs to win championships in Philly. And if he doesn't, I think that the Hall of of Fame candidacy is a little rough for James. I think he's a hell of a player. But championships matter. And I think he's not an all-time guy unless he wins multiple rings. One ring is no longer good enough in the NBA. No. Elite players have multiple One rings. One ring is NFL. Yep. You need multiple in the NBA. Uh, Brylark says, Quinn continuing to piss away opportunities to develop his young guys late in these blowouts and letting Rudy develop his offense when he plays. Yep. Yep, I agree. James Knight, always focus on the negatives. The Jazz had a 26-point win over a contender, for fuck's sake. I mean, I don't... I, I don't know that we're being negative. I think when it's trade deadline and you make a significant trade that turns out not to be significant, I mean, you're always going to get graded on your moves. James, dude, here's the thing. We're not going to sit here and, and be like, well, they had, they poor Joe got traded and they had a nice victory last night. That's not what this show has ever been. And you know, damn well, that's not what this show is. Um, Brylark says, I've said it all year. The fate of this team will be determined at the trade deadline. And it's obvious. Hello. Hello. Comment dump. Hello. Yeah, I lost you there. Hello. Sorry, Brylark. Uh, Forrest G says, if you would have said cloth masks are useless and COVID escaped from the Wuhan lab a year ago, you would have been called a conspiracy theorist. Not really sure what that has to do with anything right, Forrest, we're talking about. Anything you have want to nice throw in there. Bud. Thanks. Josh Leverin says, who will be the biggest failure at the end of the season, the Jazz or the Sixers? The Jazz won't be a failure. I mean, no, I, I think the Jazz are... are it's been a weird season. Like, how let's do, be honest, dude. How do you? How do you? I think people expected the Jazz to win more than they've won. I don't know anybody in the NBA who thought they were a championship contender. Yeah. I mean, especially now that you can see Clay Thompson getting his legs back, you see that Phoenix has gone to another level. They're they're the Phoenix Suns are clearly better than they were last year. Yeah. Right. 
I don't know that anybody thought the Lakers would be this bad. Um, I don't think there was an expectation that Jazz were going to compete for an NBA championship. I, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, Snuka says casual. Neville 93 says, yeah, casual. didn't we get some guy named Gomez? Hernan Gomez, yes. Hernan Gomez-Snakeoff. He's a brilliant guy. We'll see you. Uh, Forrest G says, I think Joe still has value post-ACL tear. That is why we are open to the idea of him coming back at the minimum. His basketball IQ and locker room presence will help with leadership that this team needs. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Agree to disagree. Caleb says, Maxie is the John Morant better hella good. Yeah, he is. I agree with that. Snuka says, the culture here is once you're a jazz man, you're always a jazz man, unless your last name is Boozer. (laughs) Exactly Um, right. Exactly right. Um, Let's see. Uh, Forrest G says, our culture in Utah is we care about our people. I understand why this can be detrimental at times. Utahns see this as more than just basketball. Well, you know, it is what it is. You know what, man? I... It's why BYU doesn't win. It's it's why BYU, like this year, I always say this, you can't be nice and win at a high level. You can't. And I, I, I would agree with that, Forrest. I think there is there is not an appetite to be a killer here. Yeah. There isn't. I mean, you have to win at the highest levels in the sports we all care about here, college football and the NBA. To win at the highest levels, you got to be a killer. Cold-blooded, clean, methodical, and thorough. It's why so many people here hate Kevin Durant and call him a traitor and a sellout. Well, I got news for you. You hated Michael. You hated Kobe. You hated KD. You hate LeBron. What do they all have in common? You hate LeBron. Yep. They've all won multiple rings. Mm. I mean, it it just is what it is. C. Sheever says, I'm from Utah. Happy Joe is gone. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Uh, Alan says, Royce O'Neal has come a long way. Next question. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, next question. Uh, Caleb says, it's time to move on from Joe. It's a tough, It's tough though, because he's a jazz icon. He is an icon, but that should speak volumes. Joe Ingles is a jazz legend. For what? I mean, if you really think about what Joe Ingles is, Take was... your fandom out of it. What did he do? That's he had a, nice moments. He think was about enjoyable that. to watch. I don't disagree. I enjoyed watching Joe. But again... I. I'm not from Utah. I don't have any emotion in saying, hey, Joe Ingles right now is is an average NBA bench contributor. Yeah. That's what he is. <laughs> He's a hell of a guy with the players. Forrest G says, what if they pop, pop out of dad ready to play? I thought you guys were woke boys. How dare you? Yeah, how dare you gender birth? Exactly. Yes, Americans. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, Rudy Gobert is a master of spacing, being in just the right spot to cut off passes to – to the center, but also make the driver second guess going up for a shot or a layup. Rylark says, yeah, <laughs> yes, totally agree. Yes, he's elite defensively. There's no doubt. Totally There's agree. no doubt about it. Uh, dropping $50,000 checks like a casual <clears throat> says, hopefully the Jazz makes things up this Wait, summer. Wait, that's his name? His name is dropping $50,000 <laughs> checks like yeah. a casual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do love Let's that. Let's go. Uh, hopefully the Jazz mix things up this summer. What we have going isn't good enough. I agree. Quentin Moyer says, I will forever love Joe. I hope when he comes back to play against Utah, we give him a warm welcome. They will. They'll do a tribute video. I don't think he'll ever play for another team. If it's not the Jazz, he'll retire. Or play in Australia. Yeah. Um, CJ So Cool Jr. says, Joe's never coming back to Jazz. His D was horrible. Our perimeter D vastly improved since he left. 
The relationship, okay, I, by the way, Quinn and Joe is weird. His biggest moment was getting torched by Murray. Oh, my God. I don't know that I agree Okay, with all that. now we're going in the wrong direction. Yeah, now we're going down the rabbit hole. Listen, you listen. Joe Ingles is a beloved figure on the level of uh, Dennis Lindsay and stuff. I want you to listen to me. <laughs> Jeremy Bolton says James Harden conditioned his ham sandwich this year. That, that's a good point. Fat. Jesus Christ destroys big tech Marxism loses, says... I don't think that's on your birth certificate. Where are we at in society today? Jesus Christ destroys big tax. Marxism loses. Good, good, good. Hey, thanks for that. Uh, there's a very good chance, according to the local newscast here, that Utah could be adding Eric Gordon or Harrison Barnes and may send Rudy Gay, according to reliable sources. Right. And how right. are you, you going to do that? And, and this is – a lot of people have been asking me on Twitter about this. How are you going to do that? And why would the other team do that? What do you have now? You gave away two second-round picks and an expiring contract. What are you going to give to get Harrison Barnes from Sacramento? Um, and by the way, Sacramento is hell-bent. Hell-bent on making the playoffs this year. So you're going to trade Harrison Barnes, who is arguably – you're not arguably, he is your most veteran player. Yeah. And you're telling me on a team hell bent on making the playoffs that you're going to trade him and you feel like you're still going to make the playoffs. Cause Why I don't, would they do that. I don't see that happening. Why would they trade Harrison Barnes for Rudy Gay? And they're trying, they're involved with Julius Randle. Yeah. I mean, it just, and this is the thing, like, like I, you you have to understand, like, you know, when you read all this stuff on Twitter, like, think about it. Be logical about it. How does that make sense for everybody involved? Yeah. Uh, Forrest G says, why is Joe beloved? 40% shooting three, good basketball IQ, pick and roll effective. Like, you didn't win. Yeah, I mean. he's a, Joe Ingles is beloved in Utah because he's a stellar human being. He shot the three well, I would agree with that. And he's a big personality. Yeah. At what point do we stop falling in love with the human being and start falling in love with the guy that wins? At what point do we stop saying, hey, we need to be nice to teams like Idaho State? At what point do we stop saying, hey, we need to be nice and, and be loyal to guys like Joe Ingles? <laughs> when, are, when, are, when, is, when is the state of Utah, with whatever program, going to start prioritizing winning? I don't know. I don't know. it ain't happening right now. I can tell you that. It ain't happening right now. I don't know. It, it 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 is what it is, and that's what it be. You know what I'm saying? It's not the best situation, you know. and we all know that. James Knight says you guys are full of crap. Okay, cool, James. What exactly have we been wrong on? Not much, not much. I loved watching Joe get in the head and start shit with opposing players, especially Paul George. Yeah, yeah. And when he was in his prime, he could do that. But we haven't seen that for four seasons, three seasons. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, I do you. Okay, so a couple of trades before we get to real estate because we're we're short on time as usual. James Harden, does he end up with the Sixers yes. today? I think he does too. Yes, I think they'll pull the trigger. I think that I think that the Brooklyn Nets understand that they need more, and I think that's why the deal gets done. I don't think it gets done because Philly wants it done that bad. Uh yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think Brooklyn will take some concessions to get it done. Does Jeremy Grant stay with the Pistons? Probably. I think he does. Yeah, probably. 
Um, does Washington make a significant move with Dinwiddie and, and Harold? No. The Lakers will make the Russ trade for John Wall. You do think so? I think they will make that trade. I think it's getting to a point of desperation. Um, I think that LeBron is now starting to deteriorate with his attitude, which I don't blame him for. And I think that you, much like the Jazz, you need an infusion of energy in this team. And John Wall is sitting on the bench waiting to play. It was shocking last night that he was – it was shocking last night that he was so upset after that loss. Like, he he didn't criticize – but, I mean, he talked about drinking wine and going to bed. Yeah. I mean, LeBron James is having, I, I think, the best year of his career. I mean, at this age, to do what LeBron is doing is remarkable. Yeah. I, I just – he is the guy. And yeah. I, I – you know, as I've watched a lot of Laker basketball in my life. I have I can't remember another player I've been so disappointed in than Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like the guy just can't He won you a chip. He won you a chip. But it did that but, deal won you a championship, it. there's no doubt. But I think now I mean this whole idea that, that Anthony Davis can be the next icon of the Lakers once LeBron retires. That's is a bunch foolish. of crap. Yeah. I don't buy into that at all. I think that guy's Devin Booker. Yeah. And I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens when LeBron retires, if he ever retires. But well, I LeBron mean, is saying there's some speculation that LeBron is willing to play for basically any team so that he can play on the same floor as Bronny. That's what he wants to happen. Um, yeah, I would agree. And, you know, now our Mevo, now our Mevo just crashed. So what do you mean it crashed? And now everybody's saying, oh, everybody's saying there's no sound on the video podcast, on the YouTube channel now. Unplug it and plug it back in? Um, well, no, I can't connect to the camera. Well, it's still connected. Yeah. So, you know, I would I would love to do that, but I can't really. It's not talking to the Miva. We were doing so well technology-wise, too. You know, like. <laughs> Hello, can you hear me now? No, they can't because the <laughs> See, on the audio podcast, you guys can still hear us. But the point is, um, you know, we have no ability to connect to the to the Mevo right now on YouTube. We apologize for our technical difficulties. So anyway, um, I, I just think there are a lot of deals that should happen today. Yeah, there are a lot of deals that should happen today. Will they happen? I don't know. We'll we'll see. But it will be uh, it will certainly be interesting to see. You know exactly how um, how things go about getting done um, in this league because I think you're in a situation with the with the Lakers. I think certainly the Chicago Bulls are said to be really trying to um, get aggressive, and you know certainly going after a John Collins would certainly be a way to get aggressive. Uh, I don't know if that happens, but we'll see. Um, let's talk a little real estate, yeah, because to to end the show here. I think one of the most interesting things that we've seen this week is the interest and the appetite um, in real estate. And and my curiosity is, um, you know, is now, I, and I wonder what most people think, is now the right time to get into real estate? <clears throat> well, I think it depends who you are. So I think like for me as an example, I think, you know, if you look at my life, single, single male, you know, not married, no kids, nothing just me doing me, you know, I think it's tough. I think that the pricing is very high right now. I think inflation is at an all-time high, and I think that it's very difficult to get into something, whether you're a first-time home buyer or not, because it used to be, even though the prices were high, 
the first time home buyer programs could could kind of get you in you know but um how's it looking over there not good keep going um <laughs> it used to be that the first time home buyer program could get you into a deal but now that's not the case and the frustrating portion is that you know you have to sit here and pay rent <clears throat> instead of being able to get into uh, a house and i think that's that's really frustrating and i think what's happening is uh california is having an exodus a ton of people are leaving they're going to phoenix they're going to salt lake they're going to portland uh, and all the housing pricing is going up because Californians, um, are used to paying a ton of money and living on very tight margins, you know, yeah. for their houses. And so, you know, you're basically having a situation where you're dealing with inflation, you're dealing with Californians, um, you know, and, and it's just kind of a rough situation. So you have a choice that, you know, is presented to you, uh, wait it out <clears throat> and pay rent or, um, you know, yeah, bro. I have people DMing me now that our sound is off. We know. We know. Thanks. We know. Um, I think the right thing to do here, speaking of waiting, is not to wait. I mean, but how I, do you not wait? That's my thing. You because I think that I think that that's not how people win in real estate. And I think when you look at the way we're going about this investment property that we're trying to pick up here, um, the way we're doing that is by being very aggressive in in the way we but, write contracts and. Getting in at the price point that we're comfortable but for. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. It's it's You can say that. Not everybody can say that. That's the problem. You and Mrs. Monty are in a situation where you both make very good money, mm -hmm. and you have the ability to absorb you know, what it costs to get into a home. But I think your average American does not have that ability. The and average U.S. The American? Yeah, the average U.S. American, dude, doesn't have the ability to cut checks and and do things and that's not your fault right but i think when we're Certainly. talking about the real estate situation that's the frustrating part is that you can't it's no longer fifty sixty thousand dollar salary gets it done anymore it just doesn't that's not the case so i i just that's that's what's hard so you know this investment property i tried to buy it couldn't buy it you guys were able to pick it up which is great uh and now you know we're gonna you're closing on it tomorrow or today or whatever. And, yep. and then, you know, once it closes, you know, we're doing some renovating and we're going to get it into a, a good position to rent it. And I, and I just think that if you have the money, you should get involved. But if you don't have the money, I, I don't think that you should strap yourself to get into real estate right now. I think there are too many other factors out there. I, and, I, and again, I'm not advocating strapping yourself. I think, yeah. listen, if you are the parameters to get into real estate in my mind are, I think you need to be largely debt-free. Yeah. Um, I think you're, you need to have a long look at your debt-to-income ratio, um, which is how much debt you have versus how much money you make. Um, and I think that should be your primary focus. And I think with the, the idea that rates are going up, if your credit score is under 700, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I just would not do it. And I think if you meet those parameters – there are so many, so many down payment assistant programs, and there are so many first time buyer programs that you're crazy if you're not taking advantage of that. And that includes, hey, listen, if you are, you know, if you're somebody that, ha you know, is at 700 and you got to put down, you know, 3% and that 3% is, you know, $20,000, let's say, or whatever it is, find a way to make that happen. Because if you don't own a home now, my fear is in the next 24 months, you will not be able to own a home. And I think that 
That's why as somebody, especially at the main demographic on this show is 25 to 54. If you are in the, you know, the, the early stages of that demo, if you are under the age of 30, if you are accumulating debt, stop right now. Stop. Like stop buying things. Stop, stop spending things that you want. Only spend on what you need. You know, open an LLC, find a way to have a side hustle, you know, do things like, you know, Amazon affiliate links, build your TikTok following, be aggressive with that stuff so that everything you buy has a, has a write-off ability with it. Yeah. Buy things that you can write off, buy things like with our Playstations and Xboxes, we write that stuff off. When we buy new microphones, we write that stuff off, right? Like that's the strategy that you have to employ to put yourself in a better position. It's 2022. Working the nine to five, you know, for Jimmy down at the bank isn't going to get you, isn't going to get you into a half million dollar house. Yeah. It's not. And that's what, it, that, and that's the thing. It, it, you have to, in Utah anyway, that's what you're looking at. You know, like in Texas, it's a different conversation. It is. In rural Idaho, it's a different conversation. Absolutely. And I, I just think you're in a situation now where you can't afford to procrastinate. When I talk about being aggressive, what I'm telling you is, that you have to be aggressive with your life now. Yeah. Because if you're just hanging out, if you are, you know, I talked to I talked to a, a person yesterday that has a, uh, a side hustle that is delivering Amazon packages three days a week. And they make $795 a week doing it. If you do some math on that, that's damn near 2,400 bucks a month. Yeah. Right? And that, per, you know, this person was telling me, I do that so that, I can write off car expense and depreciation and gas because um, he he uses his personal vehicle. And the other four days a week, he's working on his main gig. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is find that side hustle that allows you to do what you're passionate about full time. Yeah. And if that's, I'm telling you right now, DoorDash, Uber Eats, massive. Um, you talked about driving for Uber yesterday. Massive. Yeah. Um, you talk about Amazon. Amazon is always hiring. The thirst for good video content is high. Yes. Amazon is always hiring for delivery drivers. Create content around your Amazon route. Yeah. Create content around your side hustle in your life as somebody that, hey, I'm, I'm working this side hustle so I can do this main thing. There's all kinds of way. Amazon, I can tell you, you know, we don't make much on our Amazon affiliate links. I think, you know, we make a couple hundred dollars a month. Right. But it's a couple hundred dollars a month we didn't have. Right? Like, it's a matter of finding the right thing that works in your life. Yeah. To build generational wealth so you get off that nine to five so that you're not working your entire life. Yeah. But again, I, I implore you to listen to me on this. If you're a 20-something and you have huge student loan debt and you bought yourself that car that is a $1,000 car payment a month and you live in an apartment, you're doing life wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you now, you're doing life wrong. Get a 700 credit score, sell that car, get something that's affordable and pay your student debt off. You've, you've got to do something other than nothing because it just ain't going to work. Yeah. So. No, I, I, yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, so we're going to scratch a huge check tomorrow. <laughs> Excuse me. We, I am going to scratch a huge check tomorrow. Um, and then we're going to have to look at renovations. Uh, our, our good friends at Wayman Brothers Construction. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to get on the same page and get those renovations done. Um, it's probably flooring and quartz. Probably, yeah. And I, and I think that, um, you know, it's a nice space. You guys will see it. We'll make some videos on it and, and, and show you. But, 
it is a uh, it, it is a nice little space and i think that it has uh, a lot of potential no doubt so it's definitely an exciting thing potential for aggressive expansion yeah right yeah, yeah. that's what we're talking about yeah so you know yeah it's exciting but uh and then yeah damn saturday we leave for la I'm excited about the L.A. trip. And again, we're not going to miss any shows. We'll be doing shows live from my sister-in-law's garage. You know. Um, That'll be cool. But we should have the T-shirts picked up Friday. Yep. Um, so next Monday on the show, we should be able to roll out, you know, our new You're a Casual T-shirt. We're yep. excited about that. Yep. Um, you know, again, if you're listening on the audio podcast, um, I apologize to everybody on YouTube. Technical problems knocked us off our YouTube feed today. Um, but if you're listening, please, uh, find us on YouTube, the Monty show, M O N T Y, the Monty show, um, as well. Make sure you, uh, find us on TikTok. We're going to give away this PS five. Yep. Um, and it's only a matter of time because the show, and I, I say it with appreciation, the show is growing so fast. Um, it's amazing. It really is. And I really appreciate everybody who listens to this show on a regular basis. Thank you for that. Play the music. Okay. Uh, Cause we got to go. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with full reaction to all of the NBA trade deadline stuff. Super Bowl picks. Super Bowl picks tomorrow. We did not get to talk about Joe Burrow today. It's okay. It's okay. Tomorrow. I just don't know that he can live up to the hype, man. There's so much hype around that, bro. I just don't know that he can live up to it. Until tomorrow. Say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.